great future. We're talking real money. Well, hello again. Welcome to another one of these Friday editions of the Talking Real Money podcast, which means because it's Friday, it's Q&A day. Your questions and answers, and uh, I believe, yes, there is a comment in there too. So it's a, uh, a QAC or a QCA day. Questions, comments, and answers. And we love answering your questions. And the ones I'm going to answer today come through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form where you hit the record button and you record them with your computer, which generally makes them sound a lot better. So go ahead and do that if you have questions in the future or if you'd like to talk with us live. You can do it on our radio show on Saturdays that broadcasts in the Seattle area. You just um, call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, Saturday afternoons, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, noon to 2 Pacific Time, fill in the blanks in the middle. There you go. That easy. We love, love, love talking with you. And let's get this day started with our first of, wow, many questions and comments. I am currently looking for 529 plans for my one and two year old. I did meet with one of your advisors and they suggested to use the Utah's my 529. I'm just curious to why you guys do choose the my 529 versus BlackRock or any other 529 plans. If you could just elaborate more on why you guys recommend that and what other questions and things I should be thinking about while searching for a plan. Why we like my 529, the Utah plan. I think it has a lot to do. Well, it's a couple of things. One, it's the robustness of the plan. They offer so many great options from individual funds, from some of the groups we like the best, like uh, Vanguard and Dimensional to uh, great targeted funds, uh, year-specific funds, uh, target date kind of products, and their fees are very low. Their fees are among the lowest we found. Now, it could be that there are lower out there, but when you combine all of the benefits, it's just such an easy site to navigate, and they have lots of choices, and it's been really good to a lot of our listeners over the years. So, you know, it's one of those things, if it ain't broke, why share all these various options when we're just trying to make it easier on everybody? So that's the reason. There may be other plans out there that are similarly good, but why muddy the waters? But thank you for the question. I really appreciate it. Again, send your questions in, talkingrealmoney.com. Go to the contact form like Mark did. Good afternoon, Tom and Don. This is Mark from lovely Southern California and a longtime listener, uh, first time caller. And uh, Don, last week you were talking about uh, taking $100,000 out of BND to create a brokered CD ladder. I was thinking the exact same thing. My problem is most of my BND is down between 25 and 30%. And so I don't think that would be uh, a viable option at this point. Um, just curious if, uh, if that's how you look at it or if you would suggest something else or go ahead and just take the hit 
Uh, I'm not sure that I can make it all back within a five-year ladder. So I appreciate the feedback. Thanks, and have a great day. Let me preface this by saying everything I talk about really is my opinion. It's not the opinion of the company for for which I work, uh, which is Apollo Wealth. They're mine, and they've been mine for decades. Uh, I have been a huge proponent of ladders Oh, gosh, um, going back 35 years on the radio, I, I think ladders are brilliant. I've always thought ladders were brilliant. I'm not a Johnny-come-lately to ladders. Uh, but the problem with ladders, and I've stated this over and over again, is the difficulty in managing the ladder. It's our emotions, which is the biggest difficulty with a lot of the things we do with money. We don't manage our emotions well. We want to get in when they're hot and out when they're cold and we'll wait until things get better and we think we can do things we're incapable of doing like knowing when something's going to be different money-wise so uh the reason that i was so intrigued by the latter recently was a listener's mention of the charles schwab laddering tool uh which i decided to try out um because well, one of the things that led me to this decision was the fact that laddering, laddering has a, if you do it, if you follow the discipline, oh, it's such a big if. If you follow the discipline and you don't look at the price along the way and you have no intention of selling your CDs until they are just, your intention is to always let them mature, then essentially, boy, I have to be careful with my language, essentially, CD ladders have a standard deviation of zero if all those conditions are met. Yes. Can the CDs fluctuate? Of course they can. Oh, which means they don't technically have a standard deviation of zero, but they should. They can have a psychic standard deviation of zero, which I think personally, as Don McDonald, I have to be so careful these days, um, <laughs> I think that that standard deviation of zero can actually allow somebody to, like me, to increase their equity exposure to maintain the same across the portfolio standard deviation that I had with a bond fund. My personal logic. Um, I think both can work. I do. And I think for a lot of people, the bond fund option is better. Now, I do question your claim of a 25 to 30 percent loss because the biggest, the biggest peak to valley decline in value, and that does not include any of the dividends paid over that period of time or the interest paid out, is right around 22% for someone who put every penny in at the summer high in 2020 through the 17th of October, 2023. Morningstar says the biggest drawdown, their maximum, they call it maximum drawdown, which is the biggest peak to valley change that they calculate, is 7.32%. And you can compare that with something like the Vanguard total stock index which is 25.56 percent so um and uh, and the standard deviation of bnd 
is the bond index is over 10 years, like four and a half percent. So it's a very low volatility product. Generally speaking, we have seen a very aberrant period, and I don't know when it's going to end. As long as rates rise, the value of existing bonds in a bond fund are going to decline. That's that shows up in the net asset value. But you must remember that those bonds mature out if they're held to maturity at a higher value than the market is awarding to them because they're at whatever the face value was. The other thing you have to remember about a bond fund is that along the way, they are always bringing in new bonds at today's higher rates, which makes them kind of like a ladder. So bond funds or BND bond ETFs are still a very good choice. Uh, but the question is, take the loss or not take the loss. If it's in a taxable account, I take the loss. You get a tax deduction and it's kind of a lateral move. If it's in a tax or a tax uh, advantaged account, then there's no tax advantage to taking the loss. It just really depends on what you want. Because if you're trying to time this, well, who knows if or when it's going to come back to the value when you bought it. Who knows? Uh, that's, that's a game you don't want to play. And it's that psychological game we keep playing with ourselves, and we really need to stop it. When we stop it, you'll put us out of business, but you're sure going to enjoy investing a lot more. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Let's go to our next one, which is a comment. Hey, guys. I love the show. Thank you for all you do. A few days ago, you did a show where somebody asked about using automatic rebalancing. I believe it was Fidelity that offers automatic rebalancing of a portfolio. Other guys like Paul Merriman and Rob Berger recommend M1 Finance regularly. I'm surprised that I've never heard you speak of M1 Finance as a great way to manage funds and easily rebalance. I use uh, M1 Finance for my Paul Merriman Ultimate Buy and Hold portfolio, and it works great. I'd like to hear your thoughts on M1 Finance. Thank you. Well, speaking for me personally, um, I, I forget. <laughs> I, I truly do. I forget about M1. <laughs> Uh, it's a good platform. Uh, they offer a lot of cool services at uh, very, very low costs. They offer you know extra stuff for a hundred bucks a year, which isn't a bad deal. Um, I forget. I truly do forget. I work with Schwab, uh, and again, Schwab and Fidelity are so ubiquitous in the industry that uh, you know a lot of people have them for their retirement plans and the like, and uh, so. I forget. That's that's my excuse. Thanks for calling me on it. Again, send your questions in. TalkingRealMoney.com. TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. You can also call us at 855-935-TALK. Here's the next one. Yeah, I was wondering what you guys think about the Fidelity Zero Funds. They have a total market, an extended market, minus S&P 500, and an international market. You're always mentioning uh, low-cost index funds. Well, these are zero, zero, zero across the board for any expenses. Thanks for a great show, and I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. Personally, I think the Fidelity Zero funds are a unadulterated gimmick. Uh, 
I think they were designed to get press. I really do. I don't see the reason for their existence. Because, well, let's use two funds, for example. We've got the Fidelity Zero Total Market Index, which is FZ Rocks, which almost sounds like a uh, FM radio station. You're listening to FZ Rocks. Uh, the other one is FSKAK, F-S-K-A-K, which almost sounds like you're choking. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, the the FS or the FZ Rocks, the zero, has a zero percent expense ratio. The FSKAK, the just the total market index, has an expense ratio of zero point one five. Not 0.15, 0.15, which is 15 one-hundredths of 1%. I don't think you can get a lot closer to zero. And one of the reasons for having a total index is to have the total index, which is all U.S. stocks, basically. That's what their goal is. Um, and they come pretty close. They've got about 4,000 stocks in the total market index. The other only has about 2,700 stocks, a little under 27 as of right now, which means you get 45% more stocks in the total market index for mere pennies or, you know, a couple of bucks. Uh, it's just not enough to be a concern or a consideration. So, yeah, I think gimmick. I really do. It's, no one else is doing it. That tells you something because they're all so close to zero anyway. Anyway, thank you so much for your question. Now let's go to our next one. Hello, Tom and Don. Question for you today about corporate bond ETFs. With the high interest rate environment, uh, I was wondering if you think that this would be a prudent and fairly safe investment, similar to the money market rates. They are paying above the 5.5% and expected to, to continue that in this high interest rate environment. Wanted to know if you think this is a prudent investment to park some money similar to the niche of, say, a money market fund. Thank you. All right. The key to your question is comparing it to a money market. I, I know that you're thinking, oh, well, if I can get just a little more money, I'm in great shape. But you forget something. We talked about it earlier. That bond fund, that uh, corporate bond fund, has a lot more risk than a money market. It may look all rosy right now, but what happens if rates go up? The value of that fund will fall. Now, your interest rate might rise, too. Your interest rate will rise on a money market if rates go up. It will fall if rates go down. There's also another consideration, and it's that's not the term risk, but that's the default risk. A corporate bond fund owns bonds from companies. Companies do go broke from time to time, even really good ones, even high quality ones. So in a recession, in a serious recession, you could have some of your bonds default or fall to incredibly low values because investors don't trust the stability of the company. So no, no, absolutely not. A corporate bond ETF or fund is not a substitute for a money market. We need to make a distinction between the various types of monies in our portfolio and accept what we'll get for those distinctive categories. For your emergency money, that's money that you could 
need in an instant. That should be in something highly liquid, high yield savings, a money market, something like that. For money that you will not need for as, as long and that should be the more stable portion of your portfolio based on your risk profile, which is tolerance versus need for risk or plus need for risk, those should go into high quality, high quality. We do. We're not big. We're, we're not suggesting corporates for anybody because they have double whammy risk, high quality preferably government, short to intermediate term securities that don't have typically or haven't had typically tons of volatility or a laddered CD portfolio like we also talked about earlier. But no, corporate bonds, I would never suggest a corporate bond fund, not a pure one. The closest I'd get would be BND, which is a bond fund that is both corporate and government. Thanks for your call. On to the final one. Yes, hi. My name is Brian, and um, I have $2 million in assets. I'm 60 years old and looking to retire. Uh, just wondering if you think I should fire, hire a financial advisor that wants to charge 1% for the first million and then a half a percent or more for the second million. Thank you. Well, the fees are right in line with what we think are absolutely fair absolutely fair the only concern i would have and it's a minor one just check to make sure that the people with whom you are dealing are not also registered with the, with finra the finan- the financial industry regulatory association because that makes them a broker dealer which means they might have a conflict they could have a conflict in that they sell commission products if your advisor never sells commission products and builds portfolios made up of low-cost ETFs, broadly diversified with a science-based strategy. They're 100% fiduciaries, always trying their best to act in your best interests. Then one for the first million and one and a half for for uh, anything over and above that is incredibly fair. It's what we charge. We believe it's a fair fee. Um, you could go up to as high as maybe one and a quarter and still it be in the range of fair. Um, but, uh, but we think that's right there. That's, that's where fair lives generally in this industry. Thank you all so much for your terrific questions and comments for calling them in. Well, computering them in at talkingrealmoney.com. And uh, please tell friends about the podcast because we really do want to help everybody. And we appreciate how large our audience has gotten over the years. And we don't take it for granted. We will continue to try to help you for as long as we can. But the more the merrier. So tell your friends and neighbors to listen to Talking Real Money on their favorite podcast service. And uh, join us on Saturday, too, with your live questions, 855-935-TALK, Saturday from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, every single Saturday, except, well, if Christmas falls on a Saturday, we'll take that off. Otherwise, we're usually there. Take good care of yourselves. Thanks for being there. I'm Don McDonald, Talking Real Money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. 
information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. And the lawyers get richer.